Take your copy of the Bible, the book of Colossians. And we'll continue to go through the Word of God together and look at what God wants to say today. I never cease to be amazed at how relevant and pertinent the verses of the Bible are as we go through them. Where they're just where we need to be and what we need to consider. And so we're starting a new chapter in the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 2. And I want to read the first four verses together if you'll follow along with me. See what the Lord says. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Tonight we'll, by the grace of God, look at the two middle verses that we read, verse 2 and 3 this morning. I want to look at the first verse, and I believe it would lead us into the fourth. He said in verse number 1, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. When you think of a conflict, you think of a war. You know, the conflict that's been going on between the Muslims and the Jews is not just compelled to a generation or a piece of ground for a time, but it's a a great conflict that stretches past thousands of years. A great conflict. We see that played out again in our generation as it's played out in so many people's generation. A constant conflict. When we think about the conflict between communism and freedom, that's an ongoing conflict that the faces change, but the conflict is the same. There's also a great conflict in the spiritual world. There's a great conflict for your soul. There's a great conflict between good and evil, between God and the devil, and it plays on the playground of your life. And the Apostle Paul in this chapter, is he's speaking about conflict. And the first thing he says in this text about that conflict, it's unknown to many people. Just look at the verse again, verse number one. He said, for I would that ye knew what great conflict I had. That means they did not know, they were not aware of the depth of the conflict that was going on for their lives. Can you see that in the Bible? He's praying, I wish you knew what was really going on in this conflict for your life and for your heart and for your soul. 
I wish you knew. You know, so many people think life is a game and life is a joke. Life is a great warfare. There are casualties. And, and he says, you don't even know what's going on. You don't know how hard other people are fighting on your benefit. You don't know the spiritual warfare that's going on for your life. You don't know the prayers that are being prayed. You don't even know the battles that are being waged. You you don't even know the dangers that face you in this conflict. I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you. You know, it's a dangerous position to be in the place of ignorance. You remember when Jesus came to the woman at the well and he said this, If thou knewest the gift of God, if you knew who was talking with you, but she didn't have a clue. She didn't know who she was talking to was her creator and her savior and God in the flesh. She, she, didn't have that in, she didn't have that knowledge. And she certainly did not understand the gift of God. She didn't understand that the Lord wanted to give her a gift. It was not something that she could be good enough for or work for. His salvation was going to be a gift. She had no understanding of that. We still live in that day where people don't understand that. Look, God's wanting to give sinners a gift. A lot of people don't see that. They don't see the value of that. You remember also when when the Bible speaks of those that crucified our Lord, it said, if they had known. Remember that? If they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Is that what the Bible says? If they would have known who Jesus was, they would not have crucified him. They wouldn't have laid a hand on him. But they didn't didn't know who he was. You know, I'm convinced that most people that walk on this planet are unaware of the great conflict for their heart, mind, and soul. They're unaware of the great conflict that's going on for their family. They're unaware of the great conflict. You know, in a conflict, in a war, there's planning. You know that, that war that, that broke out yesterday in Israel? There, that didn't just happen without any preparation or planning. You, you understand? Hamas had planned all that out. They planned out how many rockets they were going to send out. They planned out where they were going to hit. They planned out the villages and how they were going to get through the, uh, the, the, the barriers to get into the, to, the, to, the, to Israel, into those cities. They planned out which cities they were going to go to. They planned out how... They, they had all that planned out. That was planned out, I'm sure, probably with Iranian money and all that. I, I'm just saying, it just didn't happen by coincidence, you understand? It was planned out. And while it was being planned, the people of Israel had no clue. You understand? They had no clue what the enemy was planning to murder their women and their children and their men. Had no idea. And they, they went to bed, amen, that, that night just like it was another day. And they woke up like there's no problem. And all of a sudden, bang, what's happening? And I, what I'm trying to tell you is that the enemy's conflict over your soul and your life is something that's been planned out 
And a lot of us, we, we can't see the preparations. Now, now Israel usually, usually they, they, have, um, they have their ears open, you know. I mean, usually they're very careful. I mean, they're more careful than we are. I mean, usually they, have, they have feelers out. They know what's going on. They're watching the enemy. They're listening to the enemy. They know what's going on. So they're never taken off guard or by surprise. But not this time. And this is my concern. This is my fear. Even for people right here, some of you don't even know what the devil's planning for you. He's already got it planned out. Some of you can't even see his preparation in your heart and your mind. You can't even see his devices that, that he, is, he is subtly moving into your life to destroy you. and can't even see it. He's, the first thing I just want to say about this conflict, it's unknown. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have here. I wish you were aware of this battle. I wish you were aware how serious it is. Because there are unknown combatants out there for your life. There are unrecognized things of the devil working against you to destroy you. There's a war going on and you can't afford just to go through life unaware. In this conflict. Guys. All that's happening in America, little by little, was planned and prepared by the devil to destroy the fabric of our our nation and our morality. It just didn't happen by coincidence. It it was all planned out and somebody was asleep. They 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 weren't aware of the conflict. They didn't see it all the way back, way back there in the public schools. They didn't didn't see all the issues way back there happening in the churches and happening in the marriages and happening in the children's lives. They weren't aware of it. The secret battles. The secret conflict. Right here this morning, there are people that are in conflict in the quiet, secret places that nobody sees in the recesses of their minds. There's conflicts in people's minds. <laughs> Guys, do you think somebody just wakes up one day that's been, that was gone to church all their life and were exposed to the Bible, and they just wake up one day and they just go off into perversion just all of a sudden? That doesn't happen. You say, well, I just heard of the terrible news. And so, no, no, there was a conflict. There was a war going on right here and right here. And too many times, nobody sees that until. There's a secret place of conflict, of temptation in your own heart. You know, some people, this is an unknown conflict for a lot of reasons. First of all, because some people don't even know that there's a battle going on and they don't even know what side they're on. Guys, you need to know what side you're on in this conflict. Amen. You need to say, hey, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I'm on the Bible side. I'm on God's side. I don't even care who's on the other side. I know what side I'm on. I know who died for me. 
My children didn't die for me and my wife didn't die for me and my friends didn't die for me. There was only one that died for me. I'm on His side. There's only one truth. I'm on that side. As Paul said, I can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. I'm, I'm on this side. It, don't, it doesn't matter where America is. It doesn't matter where, where relatives and friends are. It doesn't matter where my co-workers I'm on his side. Some people don't even know what side they're on. They think they can be on both sides. They're trying to play both sides of the fence. This is a conflict, guys. You can't be in the middle. Like some of those perverted congressmen, you know, they get up there and say, well, we're just going to call for an end of hostility. Hey, pick a side. I know whose side I'm on. I'm on the Lord's side. I tell you what, I'm on Israel's side. I'm not on the Muslim side. I know what the Bible says. Pick a side. Have you chosen what side you're on? Some people are unaware of it. They, they're unaware that the devil is fighting their children. They've been lured to sleep. They're, they, they have no idea of the great conflict that's going on in their children's life. Can I, can I say this to you? If your children, wherever age they are, if they can talk, you need to be talking to them. Now, you're not supposed to be their buddy, but you ought to have a good enough relationship with your children. You ought to build it. You don't build that by giving them everything they want, and you don't build that by being an ogre in their life either. You have to build a relationship with your children so that they will talk to you. So when these wild conflicts start coming up in their heart, you can help them. You know, some children would never talk to their parents about anything ever. Because they can't trust you with what's going on in their heart. Guys, we've got to have close enough relationship that, that, that the conflict, there's a conflict going on, guys. Whether you see it or not, there's a conflict going on. He says, I would you knew. If you knew that great, the, the great conflict going on with some of your children, you'd probably fast and pray for them. You'd probably give up some food. You'd probably give up some time. Your prayers would probably be a little bit more diligent, a little harder. Here's what we do. We wait, we wait till, the, till the train wrecks. We wait, amen, till the bodies are lying in the street and the well, let's, now let's fight. Guys, here's the truth. They should have cleared out Hamas a long time ago. They should have leveled that into a parking lot. Just unaware. Guys, we've got to see the needs of our children. And you're not going to know those needs if there's no communication. Because they're talking to somebody. You hear me? That's why he's going to say down in verse 4, he's worried about beguiling words. He's worried about who they're listening to in this great conflict that's going on that they're unaware of. Some of you don't know the battle that's going on in your wife's heart or your husband's heart. You're unaware of it. Some of you are unaware of the battle going on in your church. 
Guys, there's a conflict everywhere. So I just want to go somewhere where there's no conflict. Go to the Isle of Patmos and die because there's just no other. There is no place if you're going to do right and you love. There's no place without conflict. I mean, people came to this country when it was founded to get away from conflict. Is there conflict in this country? <laughs> well, let's, let, let's go to another place in the world, amen, where we don't have to fight this fight of freedom. There is no place, and if you got there, it wouldn't be that way for long. You know what you got to do? You got to be aware of the conflict and be willing to fight. He said, fight the good fight of faith. That's what he said in the Bible. He said, I've fought a good fight. Fight a good fight. Hey, if you don't even win, fight a good fight. Amen. At least fight. Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the cross and bear the shame supported by your word. I'm going to fight. If you lose your kids, just at least fight for them, would you? If you lose your marriage, you won't be the first and you won't be the last. But fight for it. If the devil works on your life and drags you in the gutter, at least fight him while he's dragging you. You say, preacher, that's not, I'm just in the Bible. You think it's a coincidence we've landed in Colossians chapter 2 verse 1? I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you. It's unknown because some people don't know who's fighting them. You know what Ephesians chapter 6 tells us? It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. They don't even know who the enemy is. They don't know who the combatants are. They're not aware of the person that's texting them is the devil. You say, the devil doesn't text people. (laughs) The devil is in people and controls them. I wonder how many people the devil has trapped. Look, guys. I won't even tell you the stuff that comes across my email and my phone. Entrapments. You know what I've done? You know what will help that? Let let me help you with that. You know what will help that? Start texting Bible verses back. Start emailing about, about a paragraph full of Bible verses about Jesus, sin, repentance, hell, and watch what happens. I got a text last week from an unknown number. Hi, sweetie, we're going to have coffee. (laughs) Didn't know who the person was. They didn't know who I was. Well, the devil knew who I was. You know what I texted back? Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. (laughs) What takes you back? And then I wait a little while and text it again. 
Every secret thing, every evil work will be brought into judgment. <laughs> Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, you know what I got back? I, amen. Nothing else. Not another word. You said, oh, that was just, that was just a mistake. You've lost your mind. It's a part of the conflict. The people you work with, many of them, the devil are in them, is in them. And you're not even aware of the conflict. The things that come up on your computer, it's not accidents. The things that flash across your teeth, those aren't That's a part of the conflict. He said, I wish you knew. I wish you really knew what was going on. Because there's spiritual wickedness in high places. You remember where Daniel prayed and prayed and asked God for help. And, and finally, the angels came to him. And you know what they said? Hey man, Daniel, listen. We have been fighting the devils for 21 days to get your prayer answered. Guys, the battle is not something you can see. The battle of things you can't see, but you need to be aware of it. False spirit can be in your house. The, the devils are fighting people even this morning not to hear the word of God. There's a spiritual battle going on. Some people are unaware of it. They think they're just in church this morning. They don't think it's just... They, they don't see that Jesus Christ is trying to reach their heart and to reach their mind. And, and, and the wicked one is trying to take that seed out of their heart and out of their mind. Don't listen to that. Hey, you got, what, are you, what are you having for lunch today? Count, count the number of tiles on the ceiling. Look and see that spot where, 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 where it needs to be changed that they hadn't changed yet. Think about the ball game yesterday or, or later on today. Conflict. People are unaware of it. Some young people have no idea what's waiting for them in their life. And they laugh all the way to the slaughterhouse. I would that you knew what great conflict. You know how you can know people don't understand the conflict? Because... Here's what, here's what people do. They think the conflicts on their lives are with other people. Preacher, my wife's the problem. Preacher, my husband's the problem. Preacher, my kids. Preacher, there's other people in the church that are just... Preacher, I'm not going to say it, but you're the problem. My Sunday school teacher's the problem. This church staff's the problem. My parents are the problem. You know what the devil does? The devil will work overtime getting you to fight everybody but him. Because when you're fighting each other, you're not on your knees praying fighting the devil. You're not more... You're <laughs> Some church people are more worried about other church people than they're worried about the devil. They have no idea. And their heart's all jacked up. And they don't see the war. You hear me? 
They just think my battle is this issue that I don't like. That's not the battle. No, the battle is somebody's trying to destroy your heart, mind, and soul. One problem at a time, one day at a time. And you better recognize who the enemy is. It's not your family. It's not your church family. Hey, guys, the enemy, this hurts me to even say it. The enemy's not even the Democrats. The enemy's not socialism or communism. The enemy is not Islam. The enemy is not the refugees coming across the border. The enemy is the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air that works in the children of disobedience. The devil is your adversary. Are you aware of his plan for your life? Paul said, I would that you knew what great conflict. Then not only is this an unknown conflict, it's a great conflict. He says, this is not just a casual battle. This is a great battle. It's a great conflict. Why do you call it a great conflict? I think it's a great conflict because the energy you're going to need to fight it. You know, there, there are some things in life you can just sort of take care of. it. This is a great conflict. This is going to require a lot of urgency. This is going to require lots of courage. This is going to require lots of boldness. This is going to require lots of help from above. In other words, this conflict is bigger than you. You're not great. I'm not great. None of us are great. But we're in a great conflict. And we just can't handle this. People do that with the sins, you know, with temptation. Oh, I can handle it. <laughs> I can handle this. It's too great for you to handle. Too great for me to handle. It's too big. We don't even have enough energy for it. He said, earnestly contend for the faith. We don't have enough spirituality for it. He said in Hebrews chapter 11 about those that waxed valiant in fight. We are going to have to recognize the greatness of the conflict and we're going to have to build up ourselves upon our most holy faith and rely more and more on the Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost to be able to resist the devil. It is a great conflict. It's not just a passing problem. It's a great conflict because of the urgency of the last days that It's a great conflict because of the effect that it has on us. It's a great conflict because of the magnitude of what's at stake. Guys, do you understand? If you don't, if you don't, if you don't get the victory in your life in the conflict of the devil, you're going to lose your ever-loving mind. You're going to go crazy. You will. You say, preacher, no, I'm saying... It doesn't take very much for you not to be. There's a lot of people's lives that went, went, went real well until Hamas came across the border. And then they saw what happened to their babies. They saw what happened to their comfortable life. And then they lost it. It's a great conflict 
that we need to recognize the effect it's going to have on us if we don't get the victory. You know, you know there, there are some people, there, there are some people that think my marriage can never be a casualty. I've been married too long. <laughs> you know, all you have to do is to look at the former governor of Alabama to know that's a joke. How long was that sucker married? 50 years? You got a serious problem. But guys, that happens every day. The great effect upon your marriage, your sanity, your heart. The great effect of what happens to your children if, you, if we don't get help from God. It's a great conflict because of the magnitude of how it affects us. He said, oh, I'll just keep living for the Lord. You'd be surprised what you can or cannot do when the devil gets enough ground around your life. He says, this is a great conflict. You can't, you can't ignore the magnitude of it. So much is at stake. Guys, in the great conflict against every Bible-believing church, if people only knew what was at stake... Little by little, the devil's taking out good churches and good families and good preachers and, and good works of God. Because you know what? He's looking for the day where your children, the next generation, are going to be just like England. They can't find a church if they look for it and they don't even know who God is. England had a lot greater churches than we've had. The magnitude of its, of its effect makes it great. The magnitude of the pressure and the harm it brings to us. He said there in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32, he said they endured a great fight of afflictions. We, we've, guys, we've been so, we're this, you know, the last child always gets spoiled rotten. Spoiled rotten you know. Well, we are the last child. We're the last generation. I really believe it. If, if I'm wrong, when I get to heaven, I'll tell the Lord, I'm sorry. But that's the way I look at it. I believe we're the last generation of God's people. And I think we're, we're, we're spoiled rotten. But oh, can you imagine if we had to endure a great flight, fight of persecutions and afflictions. and Some of us, we they don't even know what's coming. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I'm not somebody that looks outside for the black helicopters and the concentration camps. And I know what Hillary said, but I don't care what she says anyway. And uh, you know they're going to have re-education. I'm not into all that. I'm I'm telling you, the devil has more planned to destroy our church and your family and your life than you could ever imagine. And that doesn't mean we need to shake in our boots, amen, and, and go buy. Uh, survival kits and, and no, no, that means that we need to see the seriousness and we need to get on our knees and we need to humble ourselves and we need to see how serious it is for us to repent and how serious it is for us to confess our sins and how serious it is for us to get serious with God. Not to be afraid, but to get His help. I would you knew what great conflict I have for you. Go down dying if you must, but this is greater than you. 
You know what people think about battle? They, they, they battle temptation in their life. They battle sin in their life. They, they battle the encroachment of the devil and the world and their family. And what most people don't realize, this conflict is a lot bigger than just your family. You know what happens one by one if the devil picks off a family in the church? You know what happens? There's a bigger picture. It's not just about your family. It's about the whole plan of God, the whole work of God, the whole testimony of God. It's about all these missionaries. It's about all the gospel going out. It's about all the worship. It's a great conflict. Don't surrender. That's one thing I like about those Israelis, man. Amen. I mean, they, they may get attacked from Lebanon. They may get attacked from Egypt. They may get attacked from Syria. I'm going to tell you what they're going to do. They're going to, they're going to fight to the last man. You know why? Because they see the great conflict is a lot bigger than just their life. And it's worthy of the effort. If we go down, let's go down fighting. If we lose everything, amen. get a good lick in for God at least. I'll tell you this. If the devil was fighting me tooth and toenail like he's probably fighting some of you, you know what I'd do? I'd just say, all right, every time you fight me in a little heart of the devil, I'm going to pray twice as much and read twice as much of my Bible. How about that? Every time you attack my children a little harder, I'm going to give out more tracts that week than I've ever given out in my life. You know what happens in the conflict, guys? The opposite happens. And he knows that. The devil knows that. So why don't we just double it up? You make it harder on me? I'm going to go out in the street this week. I'm going to stand up for you. I'm going to sing louder. I'm going to teach my kids two instruments just for that. I tell you what, you attack me again, I'm going to double my missions. You you see the battle? It's a great conflict. And then I want to say it's a personal conflict. He said in verse number one, for I would that you knew what great conflict, watch it, I have for you. Paul is personally putting himself out there for them. Do you see that? He's putting his life on the line for them. I'm having a conflict for you. So many people don't think other people worth fighting for. Maybe, hopefully, by the grace of God, we see the value of fighting for our own families. Hopefully, we see the value of fighting for our own church. Hopefully, we would see the value of fighting for our own community, our nation. But here's what Paul said. He said, I've got a great conflict for you. And then he says this, and for them in Laodicea, and for as many as as have not seen my face in the Lord. He said, I'm fighting for people I don't even know. Guys, if we can't fight for the people that we know and love, can we, we'll never be able to fight for the people that we've never seen. You, you know what the work of God about? It's about fighting for souls that you'll never see. 
You know what we should be fighting for? We ought to be fighting for the next generation of babies that haven't even been born yet. So that they can know God. People that I'll never meet. People that you'll never meet. We ought to fight the good fight of faith for people that have never seen our face and that we've never seen their face. But so many times we don't see it's worth our personal conflict to put ourselves on the line for people that we've never seen. You know what these flags are about? You've never seen people over in uh, Nigeria. You've never seen people in Thailand. You've never seen people in these countries here. You know what we're doing? We're trying to fight the fight of faith, of the gospel for people we've never seen. And it's worth the effort. Paul said, I put my personal self out there. I'm fighting for you. Some of you don't even know how, how much your parents are fighting for you. And your spiritual leaders in your church are praying for you. And begging God to beat the, de- beat the devil off of your life. Now let me ask you a question. Have you put your personal self into that for someone else? And here's what we usually say. We usually say, well, so-and-so's not worth the fight. Would you look at verse 1 again? This jumped off the page at me when I was studying this. He said, for I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at where? Can you tell me anything about Laodicea, guys? Can you tell me about what John said about Laodicea? We're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And God says you're miserable and you're blind and you're naked. You're lukewarm. (laughs) Who wants to drink lukewarm coffee? Let me ask you. I heard uh, Vance Hadner say this as we were listening to preaching. He said, he said, if you had a cup of coffee and it got cold, and the waitress came by, would you just say, go ahead and pour that coffee on, that hot coffee on that cold coffee? He said, not me. I say, get this cold coffee out of here. I want a new cup. I think that just went. Isn't that what the Lord said about Laodicea? He says, you're lukewarm. Get that out of here. I spew out of my mouth. I would you were cold or hot. I'm not going to take this lukewarm stuff. Laodicea is a terrible excuse for a church. There's no power there. There's no spirit there. There's no zeal there. There's no fervency there. There's pride there. There's comfort. There's wealth. There's no need of God there. Sounds like America. They're like American churches. But you know what the temptation is? Well, you guys deserve to get run over by the devil. You're lukewarm. I'm not going to pray for you and fight for you. You live in Laodicea. You know what the temptation is? You know, these people don't love God anyway, and they're proud. Okay, let them have it. That's what some people do about Israel. The, the Muslims coming over, well, you know, the Israelis people, the, the Jewish people, they turn their back on God anyway. That, they, that serves them right. Paul says this, I'm having a conflict for those in Laodicea. He even thought the, the, the lukewarm, backslidden Christians in Laodicea were worth the fight. Boy, that's helping me this morning. That's helping me to see that so many times we give up so early. Ain't worth the fight. It's always worth the fight if you get to fight the devil. 
was it Billy Sunday said he'd gum him to death? You know, if he didn't have no more teeth to bite him, he'd just gum him to death. We have lost that militancy. We have lost that putting ourselves out there personally. We're so pessimistic. I don't matter anyway. You know, we could do that with some of the kids we got driving on the bus. You know, we know the drill. We've seen it over and over. These kids ride in. They're in church for a while. When they get old enough, they leave, and we never see them again. What difference does it make? I'll tell you what difference does it make. There's a deacon right there sitting that's the difference it made. But even if it didn't, it's worth the fight. It's worth fighting for their soul. You know, no, I think we are more like Jonah than we realize. God, why are you sending me to Nineveh? That ain't worth going there. Them people don't love you. They hate you. They're heathens. Why am I going there? They ain't never going to repent. They're not worth the effort, God. Look like somebody didn't see what God could do even with a bunch of Ninevites. And he was not willing to put himself out there personally. I give you the last thing. Maybe I won't be able to give it to you this morning. This is an unknown conflict. It's a great conflict. It's a personal conflict. Then I read verse 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. It's a verbal conflict. You see that? This I say. I'm saying something in this conflict. I'm speaking. I'm preaching. I'm giving you words in this conflict. Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. This conflict is is verbal. It's about who you are going to listen to. That's what the conflict's about. It's not, if it was fisticuffs, man, I mean, you know, it'd be one thing. It's, it's It's not a physical conflict. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's not getting physical with people. That's the way we want to respond to conflict. It's verbal. By the way, some people have learned too well that conflict involves words. They'd never slap anybody with their hand, but they sure would with their tongue. They'd never hurt anybody with a gun, but they would with their gossip. Oh, verbal conflict is real, guys. There are things that some people here have heard, you, you, can't, you can never get them out of your mind. It's a verbal conflict. And he says, I'm trying to talk to you in this conflict because what I say is going to make a difference in this conflict. Guys, that is why the devil works overtime to keep you out of church. You know, I I'm, I'm never cease to amaze. It never ceases to amaze me that the most battle that most people have is on Sunday morning or Saturday night before God wants to bring them to church. You mark it down. 
People can be healthy all, all week and then Saturday or Sunday. Can anybody not recognize the devil but me? Great conflict. Spiritual conflict. The conflict of you listening to somebody instead of listening to the words of God. And the devil knows that. And he didn't want you to hear the preaching verse by verse through the book of Colossians. He didn't want you to hear preaching verse by verse through any book of the Bible because it'll help you in the conflict. It'll arm you. It'll make you thoroughly furnished into all good works. It'll be that good sword of the Spirit. I thought that's great that the Israelis called that, that, that war, the operations, what is it, iron swords or something like that? What was it? it was something like that? Something to do with a sword. That's what they called it. I like it. God wants to give you a sword for the conflict, but if you're never around to hear the words, if you're never around to read the words, guys, you're not going to win in the conflict. We don't put Bible reading counters out there just so we can go around the country and say, our church reads the Bible and believes the Bible. It, it is your lifeline in the conflict. You've got to read it. You've got to listen to it. You've got to hear it. Pre- this I say... This I say, because if you don't listen to me, you're going to listen to beguiling words, he says. You're not going to listen to my words. You're going to be listening to somebody else's words. Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. That's what Eve said about the devil, was it not? He beguiled me and I did eat by how he talked to me. I think I'm going to say the rest of this. But you know what? I looked up the word beguile. I saw something I never saw about that word. I thought I understood it. It's not just enticing words. Enticing words. Make something look good, you know. Come on, do this. Come on, this is great. That's enticing words. But beguiling words is different. You know what it means to be beguiled? Listen to this. To be deceived by craft. What? Listen, listen. Eluding anything that is disagreeable. By amusement. That's right out of the 1828 dictionary. This is what's beguiling. Something is disagreeable to me. So along comes somebody to deceive me by amusing me. So that I can get around that which I disagree with. Oh my goodness, what a... Is anybody listening to me this morning? You know how many disagreements people have with God and with His Word and with the church and with preaching and with things in life. And you know what happens? The devil comes along and says, I tell you what, we can get around this disagreement. Come here, I've got some amusement for you. I've got something that's more, more, uh, more exciting to you, more fulfilling. Look, look, look at this. All these disagreements with your parents. Come over here. Watch this. Just step out of this world and let's come to, to Maryland. <laughs> and let's just, get, let's just take a step away from everything we disagree with. You know God's not always right anyway. 
the devil just tells you what you want to hear. You know, if you'd come over here, if you go over to this church, you wouldn't hear all that disagreeable stuff. If you quit living that kind of life, I know you don't like to live that kind of life. Just come over here. Look at this amusement. This would be much better for you. That's what it means to be beguiled. You know what, you know what the devil did to Eve? He, he, she didn't like it that she couldn't take that tree. She disagreed with God. Why is he putting a restriction on me? And so in her disagreement with not being able to take that tree... Here is the beguiling. Come here. I've got something that will amuse you. That will bring satisfaction to you. Bring you more knowledge. Let's just bypass this disagreement you got with God. And i got something else to offer for you. And she fell hook, line, and sinker like so many people do every day. I'm just saying to you there's a great conflict. And it's not just for Eve. It's over your life that's sitting right here in this church this morning.